Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, during this Easter season, we've been privileged to read from the first letter of Peter. Can I recommend to you that sometime during this Easter season, you sit down and just read through the first letter of Peter. It's very short. You can read it easily in one sitting. It's a very rich letter. One of the major themes of it we saw last week, redemptive suffering. He's writing undoubtedly to a community that's going through persecution and suffering. That's a major motif. But a second one emerges this week, which is really powerful and worth a lot of reflection. Let me read to you now from this uh, passage. He says to his listeners, You, however, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a people he claims for his own to proclaim the glorious works of the one who called you from darkness into his marvelous light. First of all, it's a lyrical passage, isn't it? Beautiful. It stays in the mind the way a Shakespearean statement stays in your mind. He's speaking not to a privileged elite in that community, not to a handful of its leaders. He's talking to all these Christians. You are a chosen race. Chosen race. Deeply biblical idea. We have a God who chooses, a God who elects. He singles people out. I've said many times before, we put a huge premium in our culture on our choice. We're a pro-choice culture, and not just in the sense of the issue of abortion. But in general, we're a pro-choice culture. Autonomy, freedom, self-direction, my life, in my way, I choose what I want. We don't like it when we get chosen by somebody else. But in the Bible, it's reversed. What matters, above all, is not my choice or your choice. What matters is God's choice. Well, Peter tells these first Christians, you are a chosen race. God has chosen you for God's purposes, and that's what matters. Your life is not about you, but rather your life is ingredient in a life that stretches infinitely beyond yours, the divine life. Your will, that doesn't matter so much, but your will nestles in the infinitely expansive will of God. And when you align your will to that one, now you're alive. That's the biblical take. We tend to say, no, when our autonomy is fully expressed, then we're alive. No, no, no. That's the path of death for the Bible. Life is being a chosen race. I've often said, you know, our lives would change if when we got out of bed in the morning, the question that ran through our soul and our mind was not, what do I want today? 
But what does God want? Try that. Try it for a week. When you get out of bed in the morning, first question is not, hmm, what do I want today? But rather, okay, what does God want? What does God want? I'm a chosen person. I'm a member of a chosen race. What's his purpose? Now, the second thing Peter tells them, you're a chosen race, what else? You are a royal priesthood. That's a terrific line, isn't it? You're a royal priesthood. A combination of kings and priests. You're priestly kings. You're kingly priests. A royal priesthood. Mind you again, he's not talking to a certain group within the group of Christians. But all of them are royal priests. You know where it's coming from? This phrase, in some ways from the 19th chapter of the book of Exodus. Listen to what God says to Moses there. If you hearken to my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my special possession, dearer to me than all other people. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Ah, says Peter in this reading, what God promised to Moses long ago, that this people would become a kingdom of priests, it's now become true in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ and the people that he chose, we finally see, realize this prophecy of a kingdom of priests. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? A priest in the Bible is someone who performs a sacrifice. That's why, by the way, I'm called a priest as opposed to a minister. I'm not just a minister of the word or the people. I'm a priest because I perform a sacrifice, the sacrifice of the mass. So a priest is a sacrificer. There were three types of sacrifice in the Old Testament. Sacrifice of atonement for sin, sacrifice of communion, and sacrifice of the first fruits of praise and thanksgiving. In all three cases, the purpose was to unite the people to God. Listen, that's what a priest does. That's what a priest does. He unites God and the people. He brings them into communion. So, you Christians, Peter is saying, and I'm saying it to all you listening to me, you Christians, you are all royal priests. You all have this basic task of reconciling people to God. Mind you, Christ in his very person is the high priest because he combines in his person two natures, divine and human. Therefore, he's the perfect priest, the high priest, because he is the reconciliation of divinity and humanity. Okay. So we who've been grafted onto him in baptism, we have a similar task and function and purpose to unite God and humanity. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like bringing God to people. What if you woke up in the morning and said, my task today, above all, is to bring God to people. Not primarily to be personally successful, not primarily to be chipper and happy, not primarily to do this or that. My job today 
and every day, is to bring God to people. Everyone I meet, everyone I see, everyone I talk to, everyone that I visit, my job is to be a priest, to bring God to them. In my words, in my gestures, in my smile, in my action, in my compassion, in my forgiveness. What if at the end of the day we look back and say, now in each meeting today, did I radiate something of the presence of God? If I did, I was functioning as a priest, a royal priest. Or now do it the other way. We bring God to people. We also, as priests, bring people to God. You know that great story in the New Testament when the friends of the paralyzed man bring him to Jesus, they can't get through, so they open the hole in the roof of Peter's house and they lower him down. They went out of their way, above and beyond the call of duty, to bring that person to Christ. They were priests. What if now as you move through your day, you say, my job here is to bring people to Christ, to bring people to God. Now, I know, I know, we don't like that. I mean, we don't like when people are too aggressive in their religion. But we're priests. We're royal priests. That's our job. That's our task. Not to be obnoxious, of course, not to be overbearing, but to encourage people, challenge people. Maybe say a word that's a little bit sharp and pointed. Maybe a word of of love and peace and encouragement but something that brings them to an awareness of God. Then I've been operating as this reconciler of divinity and humanity. What's the third thing now that Peter says to the church? You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, and now a people set apart. You're a consecrated nation, a holy nation. Holy, in the Bible, means separate. Now, I know we don't like that word. You know, it means aloof and all that. Not in the sense of aloof. Holy means consecrated, separated, different. Israel was called, from the beginning, to be this holy nation among nations. Unique in its devotion to God. Distinctive visible, other than the usual run of nations. Peter's saying now, you Christians who've been claimed by Jesus Christ, who've been grafted onto him, you are the realization of this hope. You are a nation set apart. I've often spoken about this, but a danger in our culture is that we blend in. Danger for us Christians We become run-of-the-mill, look like everybody else, sound like everybody else, move and think and decide like everybody else. Would people look at us Catholic Christians and say, now there is a consecrated nation. There's a holy nation. There is a people set apart. Now, not uh, in an aloof sense. Not, Not that way but distinctive. Would people look at you, I'll make it very pointed, would they look at you and say, now that person's different. 
He stands out. She's different because of your Christian faith. Now you point your finger right back at me and ask the same question. That's a good question. Are you different? Because if we're not, we're like that salt that's lost its savor. If we're not, we're like that city which has been knocked off the hill. If we're not, we're like a light that's been placed under a bushel basket. We don't have a transformative effect in the world. See, as Christians, here's the thing. All these things I've been talking about, that you're chosen, that you're priestly, that you're holy, they're not for you. They're not for you. Here's the fault line that we're standing on. We'll get this thing completely wrong if we say, hey, hey, look at me. I'm chosen. I've been chosen by God. I'm something special. That just aggrandizes the ego. Or if I say, I'm a royal priest. Look at me. Your royal priesthood is for the sake of the world. Your chosenness is for the sake of the world. Your being a consecrated nation is for the sake of the other nations. We are most ourselves as a church. That's what Peter's saying now. We are most ourselves when we are given away for the sake of the world. If we lose our distinctiveness, we lose that missionary power. So, you're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a people set apart. Beautiful, good, but don't rest in it. Rather exult in the fact that that's an identity for the other. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.